Welcome to the Restoration Church Weekly Podcast. As you listen, we pray that you are inspired by today's podcast to pursue your God-given calling to reach just one more. Thanks for listening. Well, hey, good morning. How are you guys? Doing well. Awesome. Sweet. I'm excited today. We're, we're in week two of our series, Frame Off Restoration. If you weren't here last week, we just invite you to go onto our website, go to our YouTube channel, and check out uh, what Pastor Nate set before us in this series. I wanted to explain a little bit of Frame Off Restoration and help you understand kind of the heart of this series. Frame, a, frame Off Restoration is, is something you have to do to a car that you're trying to restore that you want to hang on to. And sometimes the problem lies so deep within the car, the only way to really fix it is to disassemble the entire thing to find what's wrong. You fix that, you put it all back together. And so today, that's kind of what we're talking about in all different ways. And, and here's my prayer from this. Um, I, 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 want, I want us to be like hot rod Christians, all right? I, I want us to be efficient, fast, like muscle cars going through, uh, and it's really important. And so what we're doing in each week is just telling what is the process. Now, Jesus died for our sins. He's, he's made us whole, but what's the process and what's the steps that we do uh, to kind of reframe ourselves in the image of Christ? And so today I'm going to be talking about rust and corrosion, you know, you don't want to soup up your entire car just to find out that there's a bunch of rust underneath and it's going to take the car out anyway. I actually have two stories. Um, uh, rust, rust comes to me. It loves me. It loves every single thing I own. I have never lost a car to anything but rust. Uh, you know, I don't, if you're a mechanic in the room, you're going to roll your eyes at me. But like, I barely even get an oil change anymore. What's the point? Like, the, the frame's going to go anyway. The oil change doesn't matter. And so two stories for me. The most terrifying thing that's ever happened regarding rust was in my previous car, not the one I own. That's the next story. My previous car, all of a sudden, the muffler started getting really loud. I looked underneath. I saw the rust hit the muffler, and it was starting to break off at the end. And so I'm like, all right, I got to call and get this fixed. Two months later, when I finally called to get it fixed, uh, yeah, no, yeah, so... I know, I got car people here like, I, I hate you. <laughs> and that's going to be how this message is going to be for you. So I'm sorry in advance. I finally, I'm on the phone with them while I'm driving. Hey, car's getting kind of loud. Um, I, think I, I, th- I think I got some rust underneath. Uh, wondering if I could get in. Mid-talking, the muffler just falls off the car. So the mechanic just hears, I got to go. <laughs> like, because the car just starts, and, and metal dragging behind it. And I just, I left that rust way too long. And I had this moment of like, oh no, now it's doomed. And now my current car, so I was, I was scared of rust. Like I, I've been scared of rust because that's always what takes out my car. And what I ended up doing for this car, I did what any, any good uh, potential car owner would be. I, I meet there, I'm talking to a guy, he's a car salesman, we're having a really respectable conversation and maybe the cameras can't get it, but you do the thing where you're like, all right, sounds good, let me just, uh, you know, all right, all right, that's looking pretty good. Like, I, I have, you have no choice in New England. You have no choice. I gotta lay down on the concrete to check out the car, to, to like see what's happening. I looked underneath and I thought, this looks really good. Like this, this car looks really great. I can't see any rust. It's, it's silver. 
Um, maybe this was a car from somewhere else. Whatever, I got it. Then my brakes started acting up. They started not reacting quite the same. I brought it to the mechanic, and they went to go put it on the lift. And when they started the lift going up, they just heard crunching. And it turns out the frame was completely starting to rust out. And what the, what the guy who sold it to me did was put over this metal uh, like netting. Like it, it, it's like a mesh that looks really nice. He made it look like a brand new car. Even when you open up to look at my engine, like it looks like a nice car. But if you hit the silver, uh, the silver, what looks like metal, you hear something fall out. Like you hear something crush and fall out. That's, that's the car I'm currently with. And so he just went through and, and that's what he did. He made it look nice, but man, it was still rusting out completely. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to talk through, we're, we're going to be talking about a couple different things, and I want you to understand something in this. I'm going to be talking through some practical actions. What I don't want you to confuse is I don't want you to think taking these actions are going to make Jesus want to be closer to you. I'm not saying that any of these actions are going to get you forgiveness for your sins or anything like that. Jesus paid the price, all right? Jesus paid the price for us. He, he forgave us of our debts. He did all these things. But as we talk about the rust and corrosion in our life, the sin in our life that piles on and piles on, there are things that we do after we've been redeemed and forgiven that ensure we don't go back to the rust buckets we started as. That just there are things in our own heart that we do to remain in Christ. Does that make sense? So I don't want you to get confused in this and be like, wait, so I have to do this before God loves me? That's not true. God loves you exactly where you're at. He wants to redeem you. He wants to restore you. But after he does that, there are things that we should do to remain in him. All right? Sounds good? You with me? So a car won't go far with rust, and we won't get far with sin. I want to read what our scripture is for today. And I'll have a bunch of other scriptures as well. Um, but this is the one that, that we're using for this framework. And it's, uh, it's in Hebrews 12.1. And I'm going to read it here because I put the, uh, a different translation. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run the race, run, the endur run with endurance the race God has before us. I want you to, to lean into the identity that God has given you. Now it says, run the race. And I want to run the race right, right? Like, I don't want to show up to heaven looking like Mater from Cars. Like, I drove backwards the whole way. I'm like, well, I made it. Uh, I don't want to go. I don't want to accidentally get there. But on the other side, too, I don't want to look like Lightning McQueen, where he has a bunch of stickers on the front of his car that look like headlights, that look like working parts. I want to, I want to be a souped-out Christian that is running the race with endurance, that is helping others get there, that's not polluting the ones he leaves behind. Like, that's my prayer, and that's my prayer for you as well. And, you know, some people love to soup their cars, like when they have no money to soup out their cars. They start by buying, like, I don't even know what it is. Maybe you know, Brandon, because you're going to be mad at everything I reference in this. <laughs> but they get that, like, textured spray paint that I think is only meant for the bed of the truck. And they're like, I'm going to make my car look awesome. And I looked up some pictures and like, you can see the rust boiling from under it. Like you can see it coming out. 
And they're like, man, that's so cool. That's so cool. Or, or they, uh, they, they intentionally cut their muffler because it makes their engine sound more powerful. And they want to, they want to, I want you to hear me when I drive by. And I think we have some Christians that do that too. Like, I want you to know I have entered, you know. And I think uh, there's another one where people are like, you know, I want a lowrider car. I think I'll look really cool. So they go under and they cut their sus- suspension just so their car can ride low. And then riding in those cars is such a pain. True story. The one that my muffler fell off, both of, the, um, both of those shocks were through my trunk by the time I was done with the car. <laughs> it's like, it was a rough drive, guys. <laughs> It's a rough drive. We have two kids. All the safety goes to my wife's car because that's where the kids ride. I just need to get to the church. And uh, so if you ever feel bad about your cars, man, I go through them. But uh, so obviously I I want us to be more efficient. I want us to, you know, you know, uh, people think if fixing up my car, man, if I, if I have a faster car, or a more fishing car, or a more exotic car, it still won't get you far with rust, right? As far as you're trying to get your car going, it's still gonna break down because you have rust. And in the same way, in our life, us being wealthier, thinner, kinder, more selfless, more exotic, if that's what you wanted to be, they won't get us far in sin. It just won't get us far. And sin is the, the rust and corrosion that, that happens in our own life. So God says, I forgive you, and I, and I redeem you, and he makes us whole. But then, rust and corrosion can come in. We know this well, right? We're in New England. Rust and corrosion is a problem in New England. Does anyone know like, why you drive to a place like Florida to get a, a car, and all of a sudden there's less rust? It's because our winters suck. Like our winters are awful and we salt our roads. We salt the roads to get through it. And when we salt our roads, we end up having this mixture of the salt that's going under our hood uh, or under our car and this oxygen kind of working through what's happening. And all of a sudden now it, it rusts out. And so there's a truth in that in our life too. The roads that we go down, the paths that we follow determine what happens to our car, determines what happens to our life. That's, that's how rust and corrosion happen. A car will rust less if you keep it clean and keep it in a garage, but driving down the paths that would hurt it tend to pile on rust. And I think that's, that's true in our life. The path we take cause rust and corrosion. And so we look at this scripture, that's our one for the day, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, let us tear off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run the race with endurance that God has set before us. So this is what we're doing. You're a new creation in Christ, but what I want to talk about right now is how do you maintain and, I, and, I, and take in that identity of a new creation in Christ so well that you don't go back down the paths that cause the sin, the rust, and corrosion again. And we're going to work through that together. And I actually, you know, it's funny because I, if you knew me, I grew up doing, you know, musical theater. Uh, we did a lot of dancing and singing as a kid. This is my second sermon with you having to use like car analogies, uh, which is really funny because, because I don't know anything. Like, I don't know anything. 
but it was great. I, I called a mechanic for this message. I'm like, I'm going to get this right. So shout out to, to Nate Hirschberger in the Plymouth location. I love you. I appreciate you. Clap your hands for him because I, I had to phone a friend. I had to phone a friend. I'm like, I want to do this right. And, and actually sitting down and talking with him, my mind was blown in the process of removing rust, of removing rust and how it correlates to removing sin. Rust is hard to get rid of. Rust wants to come back all the time. Rust, you're constantly fighting it. And so as he's telling me the process, I called him and said, hey, tell me, my car is covered in rust. What's the process to get rid of it? And he walked me through it. And I was like, man, man, that is so good. It's such a way to correlate the sin in our lives. And how do we, how do we get rid of it? How do we work through it? How do we stay out of it? And so we're going to talk through those steps. So I'm going to work, walk you through how we do it with a car. And I think it will begin to be pretty obvious how we do it in our own life as well. The first step to removing rust and corrosion is sandblasting. You sandblast it. This is like, this is a traumatic experience if you like love your car and don't want to see it get hurt. They take a high pressure uh, amount of sand and just shoot it at the rusted frame. What ends up happening? Uh, holes you didn't know were there or holes you didn't know were forming start blasting out of this thing. And you just start, you start shooting at the frame and it's just going, going, going and shooting through every single different thing. And, and it's stripping off all of the rust that's built there. And it's getting rid of everything that's been weakened and damaged and just blowing it out completely. It leaves it in shambles. And what else is, is amazing in this, the connection of what we do in our life is when you sandblast anyone near that car, it hurts too. Anyone near that car, it hurts too. If you're close to that car while it's getting sandblasted, the debris that comes off, it hurts. It hurts. And a lot of the time, as we're working through the rust and corrosion, even the people closest to us, it hurts as well. And so sometimes we're tempted, well, let's just not do the sandblasting because it'll hurt too many people. But we need to, as Christians, work through that and disrupt fake peace in order to have true godly peace in our life. And uh, what does it look like for us? So how do you sandblast? I put it here in parentheses. We reveal and remove. We reveal and remove. We start to pray to God, like, what is it, God, that offends you, right? We have, search my heart, oh God, find any offensive way in me. And we start to ask. And I think for us, as I'm talking, I think each and every one of us, we already know the weak spots that we don't want to touch. We already know the weak spots that we don't want to knock out of our frame. But really, it comes down to this, reveal and remove. Confess to God, pray to him to help. And this is really something that can only happen with the help of the Holy Spirit. It says in uh, 1 Corinthians 2, uh, 10 and 11, uh, but, it was with, uh, but it was to us that God revealed these things by his Spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thought except the person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except uh, God's spirit. When you follow Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit that enters your life. And really, only the Holy Spirit is going to be able to work with you to figure out, man, it may look like eating is the sin. You know, just overeating, gluttony is the sin. But there's actually a lie that you believed a little deeper, that's the big gaping hole that I need you to reveal and, and remove. 
And it's, and it's a mess. Like you finish, that frame is completely torn apart. And it's really hard, but I wanted to just encourage you with this, Hebrews 12, 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So that's where the frame is right now. Are you with me? It is, it, it, it looks rough. You've just sandblasted all these giant holes out. And I think for us, it would look the same. Man, it looks rough right now as I've been revealing and removing areas of sin that I've had in my life. The next part of fixing the frame actually blew my mind when I heard it because I just thought through how true it is here. Step two is you actually drill more holes. You drill more holes in the frame. And I like to put this, we, we need to add structure to our identity. So what happens? You need, to, you need to fill those giant gaping holes that sin has caused and in the car that, that the rust has caused. So you're gonna be putting giant plates of steel over them. But it's not enough just to place them there. That steel needs something, some sort of structure to grab onto. And so you've already ripped apart your entire frame. There's holes everywhere. And the next step isn't starting to heal it. The next step is drilling more holes. And here's, here's what I mean by that for us. There are things in your life that may not be sin, but they're a lifestyle that will bring you there. But it's a lifestyle that will bring you there. For, uh, 2 Peter uh, 2, uh, 20 and 22. And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than before. Go to the next one. It would be better if they had never known the way of righteousness than to know it and then reject the command they have given to live a holy life. Now, there are things, if we just slap some sheet metal on there, and call it a day, well, there are still areas in our life that are not ready to accept that steel. The steel needs to stay. And so here are two things that I think, it's adjusting your lifestyle, removing the habits that lead you to sin, removing the temptations that are around you that lead you towards the lifestyle that you don't want or you don't see uh, reflects Jesus well. And now it's strategic where those holes are going. You're putting in points where the word of God can anchor into. You're creating new habits. You're cutting out different areas to insert new habits, new lifestyle that enforces the new, never before rusted steel that God has for your life. If you just throw the sheet metal on there and maybe hot glue it, well, once you start moving, that identity won't stick. That identity won't stick. So what you need to do, you need to drill more holes and that adds structure to your new identity. And this isn't, I just wanna talk through, this isn't about just making more rules. This isn't about making, following rules for rules sake or being like, well, I'm a Christian now, so I'm not allowed to do this. I'm a Christian now, so I'm not allowed to do this. Those holes aren't just holes for no reason. Those are supports, all right? You are free in the name of Jesus, all right? You are free in the name of Jesus. It's not about following rules, it's embracing your freedom. Because I don't care how free it feels to do what you want, when you do something that the Bible calls sin, it packs on guilt, it packs on shame. 
And all of a sudden, the new identity that God's trying to slap onto your frame, it just falls off because you don't see it and you're moving through everything and, and, and it just doesn't work that way. And so start to begin that. Even the little things, we mentioned this scripture before, search me, God, see any offensive way in me. And maybe God's gonna reference, hey, this isn't sin, but this is what gets you here. Hey, this isn't sin, but you lean more on your job than you lean on me. This isn't sin, but you confess your sin to people you know are worse off than you before you tell anyone else. You know, and so he starts to reveal, these, these things aren't bad, but they lead us down a lifestyle of sin. All right, so the frame... It's got plenty, it's Swiss cheese at this point. There's a ton of, of big rusted areas that's cut out and there's, there's now these new holes that we've put around it. There's these perimeters that we've started to do. So then we bolt the steel on, right? That works well. We now have holes to, uh, to adhere this frame and it's gonna stay just like that, but that's not the end of what they do. The next thing they do, step three, is they weld the steel. They weld the steel. So what do we do? We adopt our new identity. Welding the steel, that's now, that takes two pieces and makes them one. They are, they are impossible now to separate. You have completely attached the two. They're bolted in in the lifestyle you have, and then it's welded in. How do we do that? There's a couple different ways. I want you to understand this as weld the steel. Understand this, that you are invited into the family of God. You're invited to be part of his family. When it talks through the verse that we're focusing on today, the great crowd of witnesses in the faith, that's being a part of such a great family. It's a family of, of old rust buckets that God's working on. And we get to do it together. And so you begin to adopt that. And I, and I wanted to talk through this as well. Step two, just as the bolts help the welding stick, step two really helps your identity stick. And here's how. In, James, uh, in Atomic Habits, James Clear talks about, uh, you know, some people say they want to lose weight, and so they just say, well, I'm just done eating junk. I'm going to be done. Or, no, I'm going to work out five days a week, then I'll be thin. And James Clear says, no, you need to attack the identity first and then figure out the actions later. And so when we are structuring our lives around our identity, what we're gonna start doing is actions that confirm our identity. So then when the enemy wants to come and say, are you really a child of God? Mentally, you are ready to say, yes, I love the church because I serve them on Sunday. And the enemy says, are you really saved? Yes, because I've given my life to Jesus and I've told everyone I can about him. And the, the actions that you start doing, start confirming it. And this is for you, right? There's no work that you're doing for God to recognize it. But the works that you start doing start to confirm in your mind who you are. And that begins to weld the steel. Does that make sense? As you move forward, the actions you make are like a point system in your mind. And the more points you have towards your new identity, the more evidence your mind has that you've changed. So step two is really important to make step three work, to adopt your new identity. 
First Corinthians says, but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. And this scripture declares that when a person is united with the Lord through faith in Christ, they become one with him in spirit. It highlights a spiritual connection and intimacy that believers share with God through their relationship with Jesus. So that's step three. We weld the steel. We realize we are in God's family. This is our identity. We're grafted in. And point number, number four, step number four, now they guard the steel. Now's when the paint job comes into play. Not before when you're covered in, in sin and the band can come up here. But step four, now we guard the steel. So they've, they've knocked all the rust out and then they paint underneath the car on the frame with a special protector that keeps oxygen out, that keeps rust from forming. So now in our life, we guard the steel, all right? We guard, we protect our heart, we guard our identity. And I, I, you know, I, I read through when they're talking through like, oh, rust is really simple. This is why you spray it, you work through it. Where there's no oxygen, there's no rust. So we spray it with this, uh, with this paint and that keeps the oxygen out, right? And I think for us, the oxygen that circulates and creates sin is our heart issues. It's our heart. It's where our hearts lie. It's not the temptations. It's not the friends we have around us, but it's our heart issue. And we need to now guard this identity and guard our hearts. I I've thought through this. So many people who think um, that guarding is just about putting up boundaries. Because if I have boundaries, well, I have no self-control, so I'm just going to put up boundaries, and that's going to help. If you want to sin, you're going to sin. You're smart enough to. Like, all of us are smart enough to get what we want. If you're trying to stay away from porn and you set up something on your device, I'm sorry, but you're smart enough to work around it. It's the heart. It's the heart that you need to work on. You don't need to guard your actions, you need to guard your heart. The boundaries you set in place are not about just, well, I have no self-control, so I'll set these boundaries up. The boundaries are a heart check for you. Boundaries are a heart check for you. When you realize, oh wait, I said I wouldn't do this, and you begin doing it, you check your heart. What's happening within me? Why, God, why, why am I allowing this? We said I wouldn't do this anymore. Because where there's a heart problem, there will be sin. And we need to protect the heart. Proverbs says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And I think there are a couple ways that we can do that. There are practical ways. By the time we're at this stage, we've already now worked through the habits that we do that lead us to sin, and hopefully you've worked with the Holy Spirit in that. And so now you start to counteract, all right, what will I do instead? What will I replace this with? And now you have these boundaries, but also you need to start looking at your life through the lens of the Bible. And so Joshua says, keep this book of law always on your lips, meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. And you know what's fantastic? When Jesus came and the Holy Spirit entered our life, this law was written on our hearts. 
This law was written on our hearts. And as we, as we meditate on the scripture, as we meditate with the Holy Spirit, the law starts to work through, not to condemn us, but to set us free. And I want us to think about this now. We've gone through the entire process, but it's not a one and done situation. Right now, until Jesus comes back, you are still driving on salted roads. You are still in the world, but not of it. You're still working through all of these different areas in your life. This is a continuous, you, you've, you've, rusted, you've worked through all the rust, you've welded your identity, you've worked through it, now you guard it, and then you, keep, and then you do it again. And then you work through it again. Because we can't, just, we can't just fix up our car, put it in the garage and leave it. There's an entire world that needs to know the freedom of Jesus. And we are commissioned to spread the gospel, to drive on salted roads and be the light of the world. And so there's no way out of that. There's no way out of that. And until Jesus comes back, we are still driving on those salted roads. The scripture says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. There is a, a pastor... Um, of another church, uh, a completely other church. Um, there was a pastor that had a conversation. They brought up the, uh, the idea of having an affair. And they said, how do you know that you'll never have an affair? And he said confidently, I will never have an affair. They said, oh, okay, well, how are you so sure? I'm too well guarded. I'm too well guarded. And so then he began to put his faith in the boundaries that he's put up his faith in his self-control and not his faith in God who's changed him. And what happened? Yeah, he had an affair. He had an affair and he left his church. There was a redemption process. He's back pastoring. But he learned his lesson not to put his faith in his own willpower, not to put his faith and not to say, no, I've checked everything. I'm good now. It's going through the process over and over and over again. Never get to the point where you're saying, I am so done with that sin, it's never gonna happen again. That's never gonna happen because I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna keep working through. And if it does, Jesus is still there to forgive me. So I hope this has helped you and encouraged you and worked you through it. And I hope it's beginning to start a whole process. I don't want you to become this race car Tesla Christian that's trying to work through and then halfway through the race, the frame breaks out from under it and you take out every single car that you've been having follow behind you. I want you to run the race with endurance. I want us all to run the race with endurance. So why don't we take just a second here if anything that I've been sharing with you just, just hits home, and I never, I never do this, so I want to work through it. Location pastors, if you want to go up with, you, with your band and just be ready, we're going to do Grad Sunday in a minute. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If anything within this message hit home with you and you're like, yeah, I have some rust that I need to work on. I have some rust that I've been ignoring. Would you just raise your hand so I could pray with you today? Fantastic. I think it's important not that you know who raised their hand, but that you know plenty of people did. Because the enemy wants to convince you you're the only one with the rust issue. But that's not true. Well, let's pray together. 
God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your scripture. We thank you that you've loved us to be close enough to us, to guide us, to set us free. God, I pray for every single person here that you would empower them with a boldness to start sandblasting the areas in their life that are rusting up and corroding their lives, corroding their heart, damaging their journey with you, God. I pray that you would embolden them to reveal and remove, to enter into a lifestyle that is God-honoring, that is, that is reflecting what you have for us. And God, I pray that as the great crowd of witnesses we are at Restoration Church, we would work together to continue the process of checking our hearts, of guarding our hearts, of checking our sin, and living in our identity in you above all else. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, in just a second, you want to stand up. We're going to sing and reflect for a minute, and then Pastor Travis will be up to celebrate our graduates, and then we'll be out for the day.